Good morning again, family. If you would turn with me in your copy of God's Word, we'll be in Mark chapter 13. The Gospel of Mark in the 13th chapter. You know, we began, uh, this will be a part two uh, leading on from part one that we talked about last week. If you missed last week, you can always go back. Um, there's various ways you can um, review the, the sermon messages. Uh, we've got video and audio both on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we also have a uh, audio-only podcast form. And so if you're into podcasts, you can get that and on all the podcast platforms. So Apple Music, Google Music, uh, Spotify, and so forth. So if you ever need to catch up, if you miss a week, you want to review, you want to hear it again, uh, we've got it available for you to do that. But this will be a part two leading on from part one from last week, talking about is this the end times? Is this the end times? You know, for some reason, people, um, they're really attracted to this subject of prophecy, and I don't intend to be political, but just recently we saw many people come out who, uh, with these so-called words from the Lord about who our next president will be. And it's, it was very interesting. Everybody knew when they heard from the Lord, they knew they heard from God of what would happen, what the outcome would be, how the votes would fall, and all those type of things. And we um, saw that uh, many of those were way off base. On May the 21st, uh, 2011, a man named Harold Camping predicted that Christ would return to the world and, and the world would come to, the, to an end. This was, again, in May 21st of 2011. When that didn't happen, he revised his prediction, his word from God. He, it, he revised it to October 21st of 2011. I don't know if he forgot to, you know, carry the two or dot the I or what happened was, but he, that also did not happen as here we stand in March of 2021. That obviously didn't come to pass either. That day came and went without the Lord's return. And, and I see these so-called prophets, they're like, well, I, I kind of got it wrong, but I still heard from God. But the, that, that doesn't line up because God doesn't, one, he does not lie. God always tells the truth. So if the truth didn't happen, then you didn't hear from God. If something, if God told you something was going to happen and it didn't happen, then you got to check your source. Brothers and sisters, this type of speculation is irresponsible and it is dangerous. People are drawn to these mysterious conversations and they fall for these wild speculations and they're led astray. They lose confidence in the church. People are following these so-called prophets and they're getting excited about what it is they have to say. What they have to say sounds good. It, it sounds comforting, but when it doesn't happen, then where, what are they left with? They, they are left with being uh, uh, led astray. They're, they're disappointed. Is, is God not real? They start to question the reality of who God is and who Christ is. This speculation is dangerous for God's people as well as those who are outside of the faith. 
when we engage in these conversations, we just look like fools. Time and time again, people have tried to predict the date that our Lord would return. And when it doesn't happen, some are disappointed, while others explain it away or try to redefine Christ's return in order to minimize the importance of this event. Wouldn't it be cool, though, to know when Christ was set to return? It would be cool, but again, that would be dangerous as well. Because I would imagine, I'm not going to speak for you guys, but some of, some of us would want to just do whatever we could. If we knew Jesus was coming back on Tuesday, then they, some people would want to do everything that they could uh, just prior to that moment. Kind of like going on a new diet. Like, I'm going to start on Monday. And that whole weekend is full of pizza and cookies and donuts and candy. We're trying to get in as much stuff because I'm not going to have it anymore. <laughs> I fear that if we knew when Christ was set to return, that we wouldn't have our eyes focused on him to be obedient to him and do what he called us to do. So here this morning in our text, Jesus gives us an inkling of what, it, what the end of days, the end times looks like so that we should be prepared. We should be preparing for his return. And again, to just oppose this from these the so-called prophecies that we, the Bible is very clear in a lot of different ways. And this is what I hope for us to see here today. What, what is uh, the, the scripture clearly telling us about who, who we should be, what we should be doing when it comes to the end times and Jesus' return? So here's what we know. First of all, that Jesus is coming back to gather his people. Look with me in your copy of God's word. Mark chapter 13, we'll start in verse 24. Here God's word reads, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And when they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. This tribulation refers to the great tribulation. There will be apocalyptic signs that occur in this time period. During this time, the text says the sun will be darkened. This harkens to what we read in Revelation 6 and 12, where it says, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth the full moon became like blood. The next thing that we see is that the stars or perhaps meteorites or something is, will be falling from the sky. Again, hearkening back to Revelation 6, 13 through 14, says, And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree shed his winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain 
and island was removed from its place. What we see happening in the structure is that all the forces of energy that hold uh, everything together um, that is held constant by Christ and his control will become random and chaotic. All these things will be shaken as God prepares to come in the person of Jesus Christ in judgment. Look with me again in verse 26, where it says that they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds and with great power and glory. I'm not sure how many of you have or continue to read comic books or maybe watch superhero movies, but uh, this makes me think of uh, many of those stories when you see something happening within the story um, and, and people are taken or kidnapped or whatever bad is going on and there's a moment of despair. They're being caught up and they just don't know what's going to happen next. They, they have, are starting to lose hope. And then what happens? It seems like the, the enemy, whether it be the, the Joker or Thanos, Skeletor, or whoever has a rain down, total devastation, and then it looks like um, they've lost the battle and the, the war is being won. Then all of a sudden, the hero appears. The hero comes out and appears from the shadow um, just right at the nick of time in order to save the day. I don't know about you, but I get that vibe from this text. As we see all these things, the calamities that happen on this world and in this earth, as bad as things are getting, and then we see all this chaos happening in, in the elemental world, when, when people start to lose despair, they don't know where to turn, the hero in Jesus Christ shows up. It's in this great anticipation that Jesus, our Savior, comes in a cloud as a conquering king. Man, that gets me excited. You can sit on your hands if you want to, but man, I cannot wait. This, this, is, I mean, this is the part of the movie that you don't want to miss. Amen. When you, when you look in the clouds and you see Christ as he's coming as the conquering king, this will happen in fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy, and it will be visible to all. Daniel 7 and 13 says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds and the heavens, there came one like a son of man, and he came uh, to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that's all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus will come back the same way that he left, as in Psalm 104 and 3. It says he lays the beams of his chambers on the waters, and he makes the clouds his chariots. He rides on the winds of the wind of the wings of the wind. He will come with all power in his hands to gather the elect and restore the devastated earth and establish his rule right here. So you may be asking, who's the elect? Well, that can be a long subject. 
Um, is it the 144,000 Jewish witnesses? In Revelation 7 and 4, it says, I heard a number of, seed, of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Or perhaps is it the, the converts of, that we see in Revelation 7 and 9? After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from every tribe and people and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. Or maybe converts of angelic preachers, Revelations 14 and 6. 14 and 6. Then I saw another angel flying and directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language of people. Then also we consider the Old Testament saints that are gathered out of their graves and united with their redeemed spirits. As we see in Daniel 12, 1 through 3, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there will be a nation till that time but at that time your people shall be delivered everyone whose name shall be found written in the book and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to the shame of everlasting contempt and those who are wise and shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. So this is a story for another time um, as we dive into who is elect. But what we shouldn't miss is that Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to gather his people. He's not going to leave us. Even as we're on the, the precipice of despair, when hope seems lost, that the enemy has won, we already know the end of the story. We already know that Jesus has conquered sin in the grave. He has conquered death. He has conquered the, the enemy, and he will return. Not only will he return, but Jesus will return again soon. Look with me in verse 28 of Mark 13. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch comes tender and puts out its leaf, you shall know that summer is near. So also, when you see that things are taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, the generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We've talked about fig trees before as Jesus come and using it as an example of, of, of what to look for. But before it was uh, the, the fake fig tree that was, uh, he was, he was hungry and about to eat. And he's using this as an example of how we're misusing the people in the church are, are misusing uh, the areas and acting as if they were Christ followers, but they were not in fact doing those things. And here uh, in the previous story, the fig tree was supposed to be bearing fruit. It was that time of the year where it was starting to bud and he gets up on the, the, the fig tree and there was nothing there. And then later 
we see this play out in real life as they get to the temple and they're there uh, the money changers are there they're misusing the the house of God and and everybody knows or remembers the flipping over the tables and all that kind of stuff because they were not doing what they were supposed to be they were not being obedient they were not doing what they were called to do. Here is another example of a fig tree here used to tell time and see where the, the changing of the seasons. He tells the people, you know summer is coming when a fig tree starts to sprout its leaves. In the same way, when you see all these things happening in the world, when you see the things that we've just looked at here in Scripture, when you see these things happening, you will know that Jesus is about to return. It sounds like the world will just be turned upside down and become almost unbearable. But these signs will tell us that all will be coming to an end. And Christ will return to once and for all deal with sin. He will deal with Satan. He will deal with death. He will deal with hell and the grave. And the Antichrist will be dealt with as well, along with all of these other false prophets. The present heaven and earth will give way to the new heaven and the new earth. Pointing again to Revelation, this time in chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. So as even as we look at the world today and all the things that uh, we're going through right before our eyes, this is evidence that we're getting closer to the return of Christ. And as hard as it is to uh, see persecution in other places in the world, but even starting to happen here in this, this country, again, we should have our eyes on the prize and focused on Christ and heaven. Because again, Christ will return to gather his people. Christ will come again and he will come again soon. And thirdly, only God knows when Jesus will return. God the Father is the only one who knows when Jesus will return. Look with me in verse 32. It says, but concerning that day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servant in charge, each with his own work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Jesus is clearly talking about his imminent return for us. Much like the Trinity itself, this is one of the mysteries that is difficult to understand. When he, he says, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. How do I make sense of this? Well, when we all would affirm that there is one God who reveals himself co-equal persons. We have God the Father, we've got the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
And if you remember uh, before uh, we talked about this little symbol that kind of explains or gives you a visual representation of this, this the thing we call the Trinity, where the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. And so taking all this in and trying to understand while Jesus possesses the, the attributes of deity, including uh, being all-knowing or omniscient, when it comes to this particular detail, Jesus has laid that aside. He's laid it aside so that um, as he has come in human form for him to be totally in submission to the Father. The only way to understand this is to see that when, when he took on this human nature, he, he entered time and space. And, and while he did not surrender his deity, he just laid aside this particular piece. And we see this kind of explained a little bit in Scripture as we see John um, and in uh, Philippians to help us see this a little better. John 17 and 5, it says, And now, Father... Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. This is Jesus uh, speaking to his father. Then Philippians 2 and 6, it says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every on the, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this helps us kind of to understand how Jesus came and he laid aside some of these things in total submission to the Father and how he has been glorified by the Father. So for a time, Jesus laid all this aside. And to my point earlier, Jesus himself admits that he does not know the day or the hour. How arrogant must we be to say that we know more? that we know better. That makes me shudder when people seem to, that they, they say they know something that Jesus himself has said he does not know. How arrogant you must be. A plain and clear reading says that only God the Father knows. So even though we don't know when Jesus returned, we should understand what we need to be doing or how we need to live until that time comes. Similar to last week, Jesus repeats himself and says, be on guard, be awake. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I, I, like many kids, I'm sure we all have a similar story where we like to just play games. And it's funny, as a kid, we wanted to play as if we were adults with a job. Now I wish I could not do that. <laughs> but we, if you were like anything like me, you were a little anxious to, to have that 
type of responsibility to be able to do these various things. I remember playing as if, you know, I was a teacher in a classroom and I would, I would always loved books and I would put books out and I would, you know, read from them as if I was teaching a class. That probably should have been a tip off for me at an early age, what was in store. Um, and likewise, you know, we would we would play church sometimes, me and my, my cousins and stuff. We would, would get together and, you know, some of us would take turns being the preacher and, and stuff and whatever. And, and mimicking what we saw in church. Again, it should have been another tip-off for me as, as a, a young child. Um, but when it comes... To, to, to what we're doing, I, I see some resemblance. I mean, it's still like some of us are still playing church. It's just like we're, we're going through the motions, acting as if, but we're not actually being in the profession of being a Christian. That we're not actually doing and being obedient to what God has called us to do. We're just too busy playing. And when we're done playing, we put everything away and we go and do something else or play something else. As we talk about Christ and his imminent return, I, I pray that we are not playing church. I pray that we're not playing as if we were a Christian. I pray that we encounter our risen Savior and we understand what he has for us and, and we are obedient to him as he was obedient to his Father. As disciples of Christ, we simply cannot afford to fall asleep. We need to remain watchful and be prepared for him to return at any time. It's also similar to if you're about to have company come to your house. You know, you want to do all this, the cleaning up, right, before they come over. You want to you know, do the vacuuming, you want to do the dusting and uh, make sure all the dishes are washed and clean and ready to go. And you clear off the table. You usually use the table to stack up your bills and books and, and stuff throughout the week. But when a company is coming over, you want to clean up and straighten up because you want to put on a, a good impression for your guests. Imagine if you just kept everything clean and straight. What if, what if you put things where they belong? And I, I, this, is, this is my thing, right? They're, not everybody is different. Everything has a place and everything in its place. What if we lived like that? That we, we put everything where it belongs. So when, when guests came over, we didn't have to do the cleaning up. We would be ready to entertain our guests. Similar to what I started out with, you know, if we knew when Jesus was about to return, I'm afraid that we would put our stuff everywhere. We would just continue to do whatever it is, live our life in any kind of way that we wanted to, and then we try to get ourselves cleaned up the day before Christ returns. As servants, we, we've been put in charge of a task that we need to take care of, and that, that task is to proclaim the gospel to all nations. This is imperative that we do this. We were, we're steady putting it off, like I don't, I don't want to, I don't feel comfortable. But we, we talked about last week that the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to say, when you need to say it, when you get there. Well, you should also be prepared, but in addition to that preparedness, the Holy Spirit is going to take over so that uh, the person that you're speaking to hears what they need to hear. 
brothers and sisters, I hope that we would take this seriously. We are in the end times today. The Bible tells us that we ought to be ready. We should be preparing for Christ's return, which could literally happen at any minute. I love reading through Acts, and we'll be after we finish Mark, we're going to start in the book of Acts. But when, when Jesus ascended, you know, they, they waited. They knew that Christ was coming back, and they knew it would be imminent, and they just waited and waited and waited. And now it's been so long, I'm just, I'm, we've just become like, oh, man, well, I guess maybe he said he was going to come. But I, man, if, if only we can be like the early church in that way and be waiting every moment of every day in, in anticipation for his return. That, that uh, they were praying and, and reading Scripture so much that they were hoping when he comes, he'd catch me doing this. This is what I pray for us here today, that we would be so uh, uh, diving into his word that we would uh, be on our knees so much that if he's going to come, that he catches us in those very moments where we are seeking his face in preparation for his return. Somebody once told me that if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. I would hate for the Lord's return to find that we've just been lazy and squandered the resources that he's given to us. So what do we do about it? How do we get ready? How do we prepare? How do we stay ready? If you're not involved in our daily Bible reading plan, I urge you to do that, to take at least 15 minutes out of your day to read um, God's word, um, to, to meditate on what he is, is saying to us through his holy scripture, to then also take some time to be uh, prayerful about what he is saying to us. And not only just for head knowledge to say, okay, I finished that chapter, on to the next, but so that we will be doers of the word as well, not hearers only deceiving ourselves. I encourage you to uh, get together with uh, brothers and sisters here to 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 expound on this. Like, hey, did, in today's Bible reading, this is what I read, and this is what I got from it. And, and what did you see? Isn't it exciting what what God is doing through His Word? What is God doing for you in your life? How how are you changed because of who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for you? I would love for us to be getting together on the phone and, and texting each other on the social media, whatever, having conversations that, that are gospel conversations, encouraging one another, loving one another, and also sharing those things with people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Have that same gospel conversation with them as well. telling them what occurred to you because of your relationship with Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ means for them as well. That we have a fervency. That's why we've been having a focus on missions here this year um, and before as well, obviously, but um, uh, so that we can make sure the people out in the field who are going and, and, and taking their families overseas or some people coming overseas coming here so that 
all the nations will hear the good news and they would know the name of Jesus Christ. These are the things that we need to be active in doing, that we shouldn't be lazy about. So if you have questions about any of these things, what that looks like for you and your life, and how, uh, maybe it's something new and different that we're not even doing here at this church, and if you've got ideas about uh, Bible study or a prayer service or um, how to um, go and tell people the gospel and to be engaging them, what we can be doing for our communities, I would love to hear those things so that we can be on mission. We can be prepared and do what God has called us to do. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we we thank you so much for exposing us to what it is that we need to hear. I pray that we don't get caught up in the the mysteries um, that exist in Scripture and get wrapped up so much in those things that we neglect what is clear and plain. Help us to to see how we can live for you and in our own lives, every moment of every day and what it is that we're doing. Help us to be courageous enough to go and share the good news and to minister to those who don't know the name of Jesus, who haven't trusted in you. Father, help us to be the people that you've called us to be. I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.